Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing, and today I'm joined by Simon Swan, a digital marketing and business development professional. Hello, Simon. Hi, Andy. Simon, first off, as I always ask my guests, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. My name's Simon, as I say. I've been working in digital now um, for about 10, 11 years. Started up in London, working for a number of startup organizations mainly in um, a variety of different sectors, uh, sports, retail predominantly. Worked for Carphone Warehouse in the early days through their interactive TV, when at the time then was uh, selling more mobiles than the internet. So wow. that's going back to sort of um, 2000, 2001. More recently, I've moved away from startup organizations and now working in a public sector organization on publishing for digital. And this is where I've been for the last sort of four or five years. Now, Simon, uh, I want to talk about um, how brands can become digital knowledge centres. And you wrote a blog post, Brands, Seven Reasons to Create a Digital Knowledge Centre. What would be a good definition of utility marketing? Because I know you mentioned this in that blog post. Yeah, utility marketing. It's something I mentioned at the end of the, the seven key reasons, probably something that should be up the list. Utility for me is building something that's helpful and useful to your audience. I think in the world of digital now, where brands are beginning to realize a lot more that rather than just broadcasting, pushing messages out, selling items, promoting discounts, etc., it's becoming quite a noisy environment for a number of different sectors. But what's not happening at the moment to a large degree or to a large scale is actually organizations researching to understand how useful they are to their end audience. I'm not talking about just sell, sell, sell. I'm talking about are they defining something that's relevant, something that's useful, something that's really helping their audience for them to interact with the brand on a daily, weekly basis. It's bridging that gap. I think we're in digital at the moment, we're, we're talking a lot about customer-centric, bringing the audience to the center of, of the piece in terms of the strategy. But very much so, it's kind of sort of behind closed doors. A utilities, for me, is breaking down those barriers and building a bridge between the brand and your audience. So building a brand narrative, Simon, how can you make your brand more human to your audience? Yeah, this kind of ties in, as I was saying, with, with utility, being useful, being helpful to your audience. How you can build a brand narrative from a you know, digital point of view is, is 
it ties in, like I say, it's it's understanding who, who your audience are, what they're doing, and how you as a brand can build a story, be, can become a publisher, if you like, to that end audience. It's having that culture within the organization that embraces your team, your digital team, to build conversations, whether that's through social media, for example, not necessarily perhaps being too corporate in the view of pushing messages, but building that relevancy and that more sociable angle in in creating conversations, engaging in conversations with your audience, and at the same time being useful to your audience, not necessarily coming across as pushing messages after messages that are selling, selling, selling. It's it's creating that narrative that you're defining something that's relevant. So Simon, could you give us uh, an example or a sort of a case study of a brand that's sort of built that conversation? Sure. Um, there's a book I've been reading, actually, that your listeners may be interested in. It's called Utility. Mm. That's Y-O-U-Tility. And it's by um, a publisher called Jay Beer. Yes. It's all about the concept of utility, utility marketing. He provides a number of different case studies from small startups to big corporates that have identified niches or ways to differentiate their brand within their sectors. One that really, really came um, relevant to me was um, an organization, as I'm sure you're aware, called Hilton, Hilton Hotel Chains. Yes. They have created a Twitter stream called Hilton Suggests. The whole idea behind that um, strategy from a Hilton point of view is they realize that obviously in the US they have a number of different hotels in, in multiple locations across the country. So they have an, a lot of location-based knowledge and authority within Hilton hotel chains and how they've utilized social media to build that brand narrative and to be useful to their audience is to actually engage in potentially people that are may not even be relevant to or have been um, customers at a Hilton hotel. So the view of Hilton suggests is they will actually begin to answer questions, uh, survey and listen to key questions being asked about locations across the US. So for example, if you're uh, someone that's just flown into Chicago and you, through your Twitter activity, you've asked your followers to suggest good places to go and eat in Chicago or where can I find um, and I cinema to visit, what should I do for three hours to spare in Chicago? Yeah. Hilton suggests we'll come in and start to answer those questions for you. It's not necessarily promoting Hilton or trying to offer discounts to go and stay at a Hilton. It's purely using Twitter to build the reputation of the Hilton brand in becoming useful and helping general public to answer the questions that they're putting out through, in this case, Twitter. And it's a great example of Hilton thinking a bit differently trying to differentiate their brand in a, you know, a crowded hotel sector where their whole view of social media is to answer questions, whether you're a customer or a non-customer. The end goal, obviously, is if you're then traveling in Chicago six, seven months later and you're looking for a hotel to stay in, hopefully you'll start to think about, ah, oh, Hilton will become a brand that's relevant to you and useful to you from, from how they've assisted you in the past. Talking about goals, wasn't there another... Uh example was it kitbag kitbag.com yes yeah, so kitbag i worked for a company called uh, kitbag a number of years ago it's an online sports retailer yeah and we realized a majority of the products we sold at the time and still is it's um it's highly regarded within the sports sector of selling football replica football shirts yeah one of the researches that we did in a 
in a key way to try again to try and differentiate ourselves from some of the bigger players in the uh, the online sports arena was that we realized very quickly with the transfer window if for any football fans listening there's a lot of um activity media activity about key players transferring from one team to another so what we began to do at kitbag was to help us differentiate our product offering was to listen to various um, social and online channels about players moving from one place to another, yeah. working with our warehouse staff in a quite an agile way um, in terms of printing and producing the latest replica shirt. So, for example, going back a few years now, when Rooney, Wayne Rooney moved from Everton to Manchester United, in real time, as and when the transfer was completed, we'd be printing those shirts up, cropping them, and photographing the shirts for the website and in real time selling those out to the public. Um, so it was allowing us again to think laterally about merging real time information around the news and sports sector with producing products for sale through online. Nice. So it's another way of staying ahead of the curve, isn't it? It's a nice example of real time marketing, as you say. Um, Another one of your blog posts, uh, Value Proposition, you talked about Blue Ocean versus Red Ocean. Interesting concept. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, Blue Ocean strategy is something I was researching last year. Um, it's not necessarily a strategy that's been seen in the online world. However, speaking about um, utility and trying to create an online value proposition and how ways to differentiate your brand in more crowded online markets, I think it's a, it's a really, really interesting strategy I'd recommend maybe your listeners to, to have a look into. It, effectively, it's all about um, companies either operating in a blue ocean or operating mainly in a red ocean. A red ocean is effectively you're focusing on your key rivals within your industry. Um, you're focusing on um, price points. Um, the industry that you might be working in is heavily competitive with a number of different players. And it's getting harder and harder maybe for, for organizations to try and to look to differentiate themselves. Yeah. That's where Blue Ocean comes in. Now, Blue Ocean is all about looking completely differently within your market proposition and creating uncontested marketplaces maybe within the sector that yeah. your competitors or even your organization hasn't even thought of. A number of that is obviously around mapping out what you believe are your like-for-like -like comparisons with your competitor. But then from research and, again, working with your audience, start to try and define and map out new uncontested marketplaces. There's two good examples I mentioned in the blog post. Um, there's a company called Threadless who are based in the US. They produce T-shirts. And theirs is, again, operating in a very, very competitive marketplace of the t-shirt industry their view was um, that to help them differentiate themselves within this competitive market they would actually work with their um, end goal their customers and begin to crowdsource ideas for t-shirt production where designers um, whether you're a professional designer or part-time designer you had ideas for t-shirts you mm. could submit those t-shirts into threadless who would then promote those out to their community via email campaigns and social media. And based on the level of um, votes, wh whether you would buy that type of T-shirt or not, it would then go into production and then would be then sold. Brilliant way to differentiate themselves as a brand by crowdsourcing ideas for T-shirts designs mm. with their end user, which is effectively their end 
their, their customer to come up with these ideas and thoughts. And effectively, it's putting that brand of Threadless behind this whole production wheel of crowdsourced content by creating these T-shirts. And then following on from that, a, a better example in terms of popularity is probably um, Starbucks. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and and move to the UK. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. Uh, again, in the offline world, very much so. But Starbucks, as we all know, um, a key coffee chain globally. And from their point of view, their key interest was how do they differentiate themselves with a number of different um, coffee chains at the time? Most of them compete, as we all know, on, on price, very, very similar. Quality of the coffee, potentially, if you're going into a coffee shop, is, is like for like. Um, and availability of, of stores is very much so the similar. For Starbucks, they obviously identified three key areas to create an uncontested marketplace. And those sort of fell around the variety. If you go into a Starbucks, the, the variety of coffees available to you are completely out there compared to other competitor coffee shops mm. customer service obviously they pride themselves on that and brand aspiration you know starbucks has become that global brand that they've created this more aspirational brand that customers want to experience and become uh, regular users on a sort of day daily basis yeah and it's been those three key areas as an example for starbucks that's helped them differentiate themselves within the coffee market and created this uncontested marketplace um, a lot of this is down to this whole blue ocean thinking. And so I think from a from a digital point of view, as as more and more brands are competing for for their own brand appeal, for their own position in the marketplaces, it's all going to become about how do you differentiate yourselves in crowded online digital marketplaces? What's your 
you know, unique selling point? How do you create an uncontested market that has never appeared there that you could, as a brand, begin to define? Simon, how do uh, digital companies actually build authority? From a digital point of view, I think whether you're a large brand, whether you're a small brand, a lot of it is obviously down to um, the, the motivations of that brand. There's a, a number of key areas I think brands can begin to focus on for themselves in terms of building that authority. If you look at, for example, as I was saying earlier, it's understanding what is your unique selling point, your your difference. How, how would you differentiate yourselves in the marketplace and what can you really strive to within your digital channels? Does your brand have a trust element? Are you building that reputation and that relevancy and that usefulness again with your end customer? Um, look at your metrics in terms of repeat purchase, unique visits or social interactions. Are you building that level of brand or is there a platform that you can start to build that level of trust? Mm. Um, again, we spoke about earlier about building a brand narrative. Are you consistent in your messaging and in terms of what you stand for as a brand and also your brand transparency? So, you know, a lot of um, traditional organizations might fall into the trap of thinking they have to control all media content that's um, owned by them and how it's transmitted mm. through digital channels. You know, start to start to think about, uh, you know, the example I, I gave earlier about Threadless, they're collaborating directly with their end user, with their customers and building this um, this platform where their brand is in the hands of their customers, their audience. There's a number of other brands that have done similar things in terms of this collaboration with their end goal and users. So the, so those are, those are the, some of the key examples of how brands can shift their focus in terms of that. How do we measure authority, Simon? Yeah, measuring authority, I think, will obviously comes down to the objectives of the organisations trying to do through digital. So, for example, if you are a, a digital publisher, there may be a number of different metrics that um, you can find and justify that level of view through analytics. So, for example, how many backlinks are you generating to your content areas? Um, what's your brand versus non-brand search traffic to your site? Um, you know, what level are you engaging with your users? How many yeah. users are signing up to um, or subscribing to, to email activity on a sort of month-by-month -month annual basis? Looking at creating content hubs for your site. So understanding, again, from your objectives, what areas of content and what areas of authority are you looking to try to, to maximize through, through digital? So are you creating content hubs within that certain sector, within that certain um, content area? How many backlinks are being generated? Referral traffic is coming through to your site from external sites. Yeah. Um, that's a great indicator to, to demonstrate the voice of authority that you're beginning to generate for your site within that sector. And also integrating this with not necessarily looking at just search or analytics, but also social media. So how is your social media campaigns or activities supporting your level of content in terms of getting your messaging out? But at the same time, types of followers that you're inviting to join you through social, your engagement metrics, such as your retweets, such as your likes, such as your referral traffic through social back to your site or mobile site. Are you engaging with your followers through social? This is a great example that perhaps brands could be doing more with is 
utilize your your follower your level of followers and start to engage with them there's a number of tools out there such as follower wonk which allows you to segment your followers on twitter via their bio so you can identify keywords you can identify which of your followers perhaps have their own websites and you have potentially a, a pipeline of an audience an online audience that's already engaging with you as a brand but there's an extension there to build an association with that end user. Mm. So there's a number of different metrics, I think, from top-level um, analytics metrics that you can find through Google Analytics down to understanding the actual content you're delivering or whether that's products, um, assessing those pages, referral traffic, backlinks to that content, but also um, engaging with your end user. And a, a brilliant way of doing that is through user, uh, followers of your social media channels. Brilliant. Some useful KPIs there. So some pragmatic tips for organizations wanting to become knowledge centers. Yeah, I think there's a number of things that can be done, whether you're a small startup through to a bigger organization. Um, my time working in startups, which is something that I still hold in terms of my, still hold closely to in terms of my career, is the fact that you're having to justify and deliver things on very, very small budgets. And at the end of the day, you have to think laterally. So there's a number of things that I would recommend if you're looking at creating this knowledge center. First off is understanding what your objectives are as an organization. What is the objective of your managing director, your chairman, your head of digital? And is there a place for digital knowledge centers? I think there's a lot more of an opportunity here. In terms of moving this wheel in creating this digital knowledge center platform, start to think about very, very easy things that can be brought in together within your team, such as creating an editorial calendar. That's a great example of aligning your brand to the type of editorial information um, outside outside your organization that you can align yourself to. Yeah. So by creating this editorial calendar gives you opportunities gaps even of ways to communicate relevant content through your platform and to start to gain that authority and relevancy at certain times of the year. Listen to your audience. A key thing um, in terms of working with your customer service desk, the types of calls that they're fielding, the types of um, information that's coming through from your end users. Look at your internal search stats, what types of information um, through your website or even mobile that people are searching for that are looking for from your brand yeah there's a number of external touch points that you can begin to bring together your social media as well as we mentioned and touched on earlier start to engage with your followers why are they following you what type of content are they interested in what type of content could you be generating and obviously look at your competitors competitors are operating in the same sector as you you know what sort of content are they delivering what what's the key focus of them through their sites or through their mobile or through their social media proposition that they seem to be focusing on and do you want to follow suit or do you want to differentiate your offering to stand out from your competition so those are things that can be done very very um, effectively with minimal budget it, it, a lot of listening is required in the early days um, through online and through offline um, and start to then once you build this pitch you start to test it out so if you if you realize that there's an opportunity through social media through different platforms that you haven't engaged in and pushing content out give it a go see what potential uplift you're having 
obviously when you're trying new things out when you're assessing what you're doing you need to monitor manage and measure exactly what you're doing so yes, as yeah. we discussed briefly earlier ensure you've got those kpis set up yeah what does it mean what are you expecting to to deliver through certain social media channels what are you expecting to to generate through um, a search engine optimization plan so everything should have key metrics behind it rather than perhaps giving it a go and seeing what happens um, and ensuring that you're feeding back those metrics or monitoring at least on a week by week, month by month basis. So you can take those further decisions down the road as to where you actually start wanting to start to invest serious money, serious budget, serious resource in maximizing those channels. Well, Simon, thanks so much for sharing with us. What's the best way of our listeners to um, find out more about you? Yeah, sure. You can um, contact me via my blog, which is swane.co.uk, which is swan-e.co.uk, yeah. or have a search for me on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is swane underscore s. Fantastic. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can find the show notes at sitevisibility.com forward slash IM podcast. We're on iTunes and in Stitcher, so feel free to uh, give us a review and a comment. Talking of comments, if you want to email us, it's podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. That's comments or questions. If you want to uh, send us an audio comment or a question, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. So that's all from me, Andy White, and it's all from Simon. Goodbye. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.